0: Danielle Mila is a certified financial planner. She's an enrolled agent. She is spreading awareness on long-term care and caregiving one story at a time. Welcome to the show, Danielle.
1: I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal lives, more about your work and why you do what you do.
1: Yeah, in t- early 2021, we um, moved to, closer to home due to COVID and my husband was working remote. So it was a perfect opportunity to be closer to family. And my grandmother fell on tile floor and broke her hip Mm. and she was wheelchair bound ever since she passed away recently. But within the three year time span, I was like the nurse on call, um, helping assist her whenever she needed it. And so I am a financial planner by trade. I help educate people about their financial decisions. Um, But really, when I'm not doing those things, I'm educating people and spreading awareness about long-term care and caregiving and the impact it may make to retirement.
0: Which I imagine is profound.
1: Well, at least I try to be profound. <laughs>
0: uh, <yeah. laughs> I, 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 Something I try to do as well. I imagine that the impact is also profound.
1: Yes. Um, I've definitely found a lot of people to, it's definitely a conversation starter. Usually the re- retirement is the conversation starter, not necessarily long-term care. It's like, Long-term care who? (laughs) Um, But about based on the Genwer study, about 70% of people will need long-term care. And the averages for time period needing long-term care for women is longer than men. It's about 2.9 years. And for men, it's about 2.5, 2.7 years. And so statistically, majority of people are going to need long-term care. But a lot of people think, oh, well, I'm just hopefully going to die in my sleep. I'll never need long term care. At least that's what the hope most people think they'll never need help. And as I said, that's just not true for the majority of people.
0: And hope has just never been a very good strategy.
1: <laughs> it doesn't hurt the plan and worse comes to worse. You can go on a very nice vacation or you can leave money to charity or your
0: family. So did you say 70% of people were going to need care? Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. And for women, it's 2.9 years. For men, 2.5 to 2.6, something along those lines. (laughs) But it's such a weird thing to think. Do you think it's weirder to think about needing care or dying?
1: Yeah, it's definitely the taboo topic. Like who wants to talk about like someone assisting you in care or death. It's like the big D word. <laughs> it's not divorce. It's the other, you know, death. And uh, especially as I'm 28 years old, so like, why would I, like, I'm young, I probably won't need long-term care. Like, why should I talk about those things? Um, but the fact is a lot of young people need long-term care too, because, you know, accidents happen, unfortunate events happen. And it doesn't hurt to plan, as I said, plan early, and you don't want to stick somebody in an uncomfortable position like a spouse or another friend or family member to take over to take care of you. It's better just to plan early, just to be safe.
0: Now, prior to caring for your grandmother, which, um, what an undertaking that is, what a, a sacrifice, but also I imagine, Somebody needed to do it so that you were able to do it, I guess, is in in a way a blessing. I don't know how you think about that or how you thought about it.
1: So the way I thought about it was she poured into my cup. She took care of me um, when I was really young. They were like my grandparents were my second parents. They would pick me up from school when my parents couldn't pick me up. When my mom went on business trips, they would be the person to take care of me. And... Whenever I needed advice, she was always one phone call away. And that necessity to pour back into her cup and take care of her felt, I wouldn't say an obligation, but it felt like that was my role that I was supposed to take on.
0: I appreciate that. And prior to this experience, how well versed were you with caregiving and long term care and the need for it and the impact?
1: Yeah, I knew it from a financial perspective, but I had no clue about like what it was to be a family caregiver. It's not like the CFP education tells you what it's like to be a caregiver or tells you what the long-term care process looks like. Most of the curriculum for financial advisors slash planners is just how to accumulate money to spend for long-term care not necessarily the details that are involved with the long-term care process, like how expensive adult diapers can be. Like when I, I know when I was buying diapers for our daughter, it was like 10 cents a piece. It can be up to like a $1.25, $1.50 per diaper hmm. for an adult. Like that can really add up quickly And then you got gloves and wipes and that's not even including the cost of long-term care. So things just really can add up.
0: So what is it like to be a caregiver?
1: That's a good question. Um, For me, I felt like I was the nurse on call. I was the person who was always there when needed. I was the person who, problem solved to make things happen. And I gathered information and understood. I brought my financial expertise. I brought my knowledge, but I also thought to myself, you know, what does my loved one want and what are her wishes? I'm grateful that my loved one had the financial needs. She had a long-term care insurance policy back from the 80s so she she got into long-term care insurance before it got outrageously expensive. And so she had that available to her. But my main goal was to make her as comfortable as possible. And if that meant that we hire more than one care worker, someone to take care of her, so be it. That's what her money is for. That's why, you know, that's why she accumulated all those years. It's for her to be comfortable at the end of her life. And what? so, our main goal was to make her comfortable. She wanted to live at home and be with her dog. That was her prized possession. And I wanted to do whatever I could to make that happen for her.
0: Well, great job doing that. Thank you. What, <clears throat> why is it that, that, that people, once they go on care, Need or typically live for three years?
1: So, for women, the reason why they need usually long term care for longer is because there's usually not a spouse to take care of them. So, usually, if you have a spouse or partner to take care of you, the spouse is able to take over some of the years of, that you would need to pay for long term care. You can kind of work together to get things solved. But then as a woman who's more likely to be a widow, especially as she gets older, there's no one really to take care of her other than family or paid support. And so that's why there's usually a longer time span for women than men because of that support, that spousal support is not there. And then for men, I think the reason why they need care is just. It's averages. That's the average lifetime. It's not like you need long term care and you just suddenly die. Right. Whereas <laughs> for, for someone um who has a cognitive decline, it can be up to eight to ten years that they need long-term care. Just because just because you have dementia or Alzheimer's doesn't mean that your end of life is near. They can have very expansive lives as well, where their their activities of daily living, they can still do. They may not be functioning in all areas, but they can still walk. They can still function. Well, it's just they're declining as the years go by, and that's why their time frame is longer than an average person who, like my grandmother, just falls and just is wheelchair-bound and not able to recover from that she proved the, she proved the statistics. I didn't plan on it, but she, she needed long-term care for about 2.7 years. That's about the average.
0: It's interesting. That's really, I guess that was sort of what my question is, was, is it that people are just towards the end of their lifespan and that's when things start to break down and that's when we need care, <clears throat> but then sometimes it's it's an incident where somebody does fall, but that could just be the symptom of my body is breaking down and I need care.
1: Yeah, that's the case for my grandmother. It was, she fell and that was kind of the barrier to keep her from living mobily Um, Her heart was too weak. So to undergo surgery was not a possibility. It was more of like, you're stuck with what you got. Make the best of it.
0: Yeah. Is that, could that be a theme to this? Make the best of it?
1: Yeah, I definitely think so. Like as a caregiver, you're making the best of it. You're going through physical fatigue. You're going through a lot of stress And you're going, majority of caregivers are likely to develop anxiety and depression. So when you have those two things, three things, it can definitely develop into something that you may just have to either create those boundaries where you can't do caregiving anymore or suck it up and deal with it. And that's your choice to make and make the best of it.
0: And make the best of it. Suck it up. Deal with it. I think that that's awesome. It's not awesome that we find ourselves in that position, and it doesn't surprise me that that caregivers develop anxiety, depression. Probably it's physically challenging and can probably destroy your body if you're not if you're not careful or mindful.
1: Definitely. Um, a lot of people don't think like I was in when I was in the ER with my loved one. She didn't have a paid worker with her. So I was transferring her physically from the wheelchair to the commode every 15 minutes so she could use it, use the restroom because she was on an IV. Just the transferring constantly, you know, lifting her weight from the wheelchair to the commode. That's a lot of hard work on your body. Like my hips were sore at the end of the night because I was using all my strength to carry her. I wasn't carrying her like like basket style in my hand, but it was I'm shifting her body from one place to another. And that transferring is really hard on someone's body, even if it's like transferring from one side to the bed to the other to check for bed sores.
0: Yeah. Somebody who's ever tried to has never tried to move another human being when they're not participating don't realize just to your point, how challenging that, 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 that can be. And even if they are participating, so, so it's, it's a lot to plan for. It's it. So how, what are, what's, what's the starting point?
1: The starting point for me, um, I keep things a little bit more simpler for clients. I'm not, let's just calculate the numbers and have a good day for me it's starting Well, what are your wishes, just like you're planning for your retirement, you're thinking about, you know, do I want to be on a beach every day, which is not realistic for many people? Do I want to be taking care of my grandkids during retirement? Do I want to be um, taking one big vacation each year and relaxing or or volunteering? So the same thing I kind of think about for long term care is what are your wishes? Do you want to be home? Do you want to be surrounded by family? What does that really look like for you? Because that's where I would start in having those conversations of being also being a devil's advocate, where what if this happens? Like, what if all your family moves away? Do you move near them and sell your property if you own a property? Or do you just stay put and build your community where you're at? And a lot of those conversations need a little bit of critical thinking because and outside the box thinking so that you can really plan appropriately and know all your options ahead of time. A lot of people tell me, oh, I want to age in place. I want to be in my home for the rest of my life. So that's fine and dandy. But if you don't have the support system around you, then that's going to be awfully difficult for you. You might need a plan B and if that plan b is not properly assessed well many people think oh my plan b is like let's go to my family's home that may not be an option your family may not want you to live in the same home (laughs) like newsflash like maybe people think their family is just so kind that they want them but that's not always the case for many people and so you have to think of a plan b you don't want your family putting you into the one assisted living home in town That's like the worst one. Go tour those places, see what they're like, see what the community is like in there. See if it's a really good fit for you because, and write it down for your family members. Like this is the home that I want to be in. If worst case scenario, I can't live in my own home and ask for pricing details because that's going to be the most accurate price detail you'll be able to get. Unfortunately, a lot of the statistics online, you can look at cost of long-term care, it's not accurate. Long-term care has really shifted in price since COVID, and the quality of care and the price of care are just not equal. You're going to be paying a lot more for care than the quality you're receiving, unfortunately. That's just due to just the high demand of care workers and the low supply. And so you may have someone when you're in an assisted living facility that you may not see them for 45 minutes after you've called them. Just unfortunately, the quality of care is just not there like it was pre-COVID. And so you have to think about what you want that to look like and what you envision it to look like. Then you can calculate the numbers based on the numbers you get from the tour and say, this is the number that I may have. So if i approximately if you you round up and say, I need long-term care for three years and I put a little bit of inflation in there, let's say average healthcare cost inflation is 5% per year. So if I add 5%, this is the total number that I'm likely going to need for long-term care. But that's just now. So what if you need long-term care 20 years from now? So then you're going to have to add inflation for twenty, like a 20-year span to calculate how much you, the total you would need for long-term care at that point. So there's a lot of numbers and in, in calculations that you need to make in order to calculate exactly what you'll need. But getting those rough estimates will be most helpful.
0: That makes sense. Are your parents still living, Danielle?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm actually really fortunate. My parents and I live in the same town, so I'm just a hop and a skip away from them. So um, whenever my mom needs help and my parents need help, I'm always there for them to take care of them. But I'm also realizing that now being a caregiver and understanding what that looks like, now it's what will caregiving be like for my parents. And the beauty of caregiving is that it's a choice at the end of the day. And I have to make that choice of what that looks like.
0: Have you had the conversations with them?
1: It's hard right now because my grandmother just passed away and my mom's the executor. So it's a little bit difficult to have those type of conversations right now. I'm kind of waiting for the storm to pass. um, But it's definitely a conversation that needs to be made to really analyze what caregiving was like for us and how we can. We've obviously talked about like the cost of care and how to plan for it. That's something I've been doing years now. Um, but now it's a conversation of, if I decide not to caregive, will that be okay with you? If I decide not to be your power of attorney, what does that look like? Because I'm an only child. So it's just me. So to me, I have to place my boundaries and understand what it looks like for me so I can live a healthy, productive life as well. I don't think that's selfish from a caregiving perspective.
0: Well, I respect and appreciate that. I don't think it's selfish either. I think it's it's a very grown up and mature thing to be able to now having the experience that you had to say, I do need boundaries. I need to care for myself. And in so doing, I will be a better caregiver in whatever capacity that ends up taking shape in.
1: Definitely. like That's the main goal is why be a caregiver if you can't Be the caregiver that you want to be. It's like being a parent. It's like if you're only there 20% of the time for your kid and that's not productive time to really be with them and be in the moment with them, then what does a parent really look like? What does a caregiver look like if you're completely burnt out? And every decision you make is just based off of, you know, quick action because you just mentally and emotionally are not there. That's when you need help.
0: (laughs) That is well said right there, Danielle. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you?
1: Yeah, I'm mostly on Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, I have Twitter is more of my personal side of understanding, you know, what day-to-day looks like for me. Um, That's Danielle, D A N I E L L E M I U. La, and then um, I'm also on LinkedIn. That's more of spreading awareness about some of the journey that I've gone through, and some of the longer post conversations.
0: Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed as much as I did, show Danielle, your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. You can find Daniel and Danielle on Twitter and LinkedIn, and I will link both of those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Danielle. Thanks for having me. Till next time, remember do your part by doing your best.